Welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast, where we mix business, law of attraction, spirituality, and well-being with great guests and phenomenal stories. You'll hear hints, tips, and up-to-the-minute information on digital communication from an expert in her field. Pearl has some wonderful individuals in her networks, and she will be interviewing them all at some point in the future. Enjoy your listening. Hello and welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. And today I am so lucky to have a very special guest. He's been in the schedule for a while. He's someone that I've connected to on LinkedIn. This person knows their stuff inside and out. And anyone that has attended the Pearls of Wisdom um, virtual online retreat at the beginning of September will have seen the wonderful session that Jason produced. Today, my guest is Jason Van Orden, business strategist extraordinaire. And you will agree with me once you listen to just how much Jason knows. I think you'll be so impressed. So make sure you've got pen and paper, take notes. And as always, all the ways to reach out and connect with Jason will be added in the description. So make sure you do that straight away, because once you've heard what he has to offer, everyone's going to be running so get in there first welcome jason thanks pearl so so glad to be here thank you i've been looking forward to this i mean like your linkedin profile and everything you do is just fantastic and the information you can share to the listeners i think are going to help them in leaps and bounds i mean i thought i knew quite a lot about the subject that you specialize in from watching what you shared, I learned so much from you. So I can't wait to hear what you're going to share. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to share the pearls of wisdom here on the website, on the podcast. Excellent. Thank you. So I will start with the first question. Jason, can you describe your career path to date, please? Yeah, sure. So I started out my career as an engineer. It was a short-lived career as an engineer. I got my degree in electrical engineering and I had a job for about three years. And uh, during those three years, I slowly came to the discovery that I just wasn't a very good corporate employee. I mean, I did good work, but meaning I wasn't well fit to stay as an employed corporate person. I just wasn't happy in that, in that arena. So I uh, did a lot of searching during those three years, trying to decide what would I go on to do next? Did I want to go be a professor, go get an MBA? Did I want, you know, just kind of thinking about what some different options might be. During that time, I ended up dabbling a little bit in real estate investing that was uh i I read some books uh like rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki that kind of like opened my eyes to the idea of being something other than a a employee you know this idea of business owner or investor so i started playing around a little bit with real estate investing and got involved with a local real estate investing uh club or association meetup that had about 100 people in it. And that's where I found one of my first mentors. And the reason why I bring that up is during that time and really being a, a part of this association, I, uh, I started doing a bit of marketing consulting. And the reason why that happened is that uh, prior to, you know, back in my days as an engineer and even in college, I had been a musician and a number of different bands produced a lot of CDs, uh, put on shows. And I had 
learned marketing in order to help people discover my music. I you know, learned very quickly that, well, just because you make something you think is awesome doesn't mean people are going to show up and, uh, and I pay attention to it. And so that's where I discovered I enjoy marketing and I really dove into direct marketing, how that works. So now I found myself sharing that with these real estate investors who, you know, they knew how to put the deals together, but they needed help finding buyers, finding sellers with homes. And so I was teaching them direct marketing skills. And at the same time, I'd been listening to all of these different courses uh, that I'd been buying online. They, the courses didn't take place online, but I'd buy them uh, you know, off of a website and they'd come in the mail with like CDs or DVDs and, and uh, 3D ring binders of information. And so this light bulb went off as I was listening to these courses I had ordered. Pretty much every one of them, somebody had held some kind of workshop or seminar wherever they lived, you know, paid, had people pay to come and attend their workshop recorded it and then packaged it up to sell on the internet or otherwise over and over again. And I was like, well, that sounds amazing. I think I need to try that out for myself. And so I booked a local community college. They had a room for a couple hundred dollars. Uh, I did some marketing to that local real estate investors association. I did a promotional sequence. In fact, this was all done by, you know, actual physical snail mail at the time. I was mailing out like a postcard and then a letter and then like just inviting people and telling them about this workshop. Ended up filling the room, which was 25 people at the time, charged $200 a person. At the end, I sold a little bit of consulting. And so I made, uh, I think the gross profit or gross revenue for that day was somewhere around seven or $8,000 for a day of, of teaching the stuff that I loved, which was marketing. And so that's where this big aha moment happened of like, wow, okay, I love teaching. I love helping people with marketing. You know, real estate investing has been, you know, fun and I had a little bit of success there, but I'm like, I'm not sure that that's really a good fit for my strengths and what I want to do. So I found myself taking, and I recorded this, this workshop that I did. I packaged it up myself, you know, I would burn CDs and I would put the three ring binders together in the same way. And I started selling it to people locally. I, I did this thing once and now I had this asset I could sell again and again. And eventually I sold it to as many people as I could locally. So I was like, well, I need to go on the internet to figure out how to reach some more people. So this is like 2004 at the time. So not, there's no social media, no YouTube or online video or Zoom or podcasting, any of this stuff. However, speaking of podcasting, as I was looking for other ways to promote this course, I stumbled upon podcasting in 2005, which was just this very intriguing thing to me. I thought, wow. Uh, my technical background as an engineer was fascinated by the technical aspects of it. The teacher in me that really enjoyed teaching loved the, the new channel to convey information to people. And the business mind that I started developing was thinking, you know, this could be a really significant marketing and business channel in the future. So I set out to position myself as a leading expert in podcasting for business. And so one thing led to another and I launched a website and eventually I was invited to write a book called Promoting Your Podcast. And I launched a few podcasts at the time, one of which really took off and unexpectedly. It was a podcast with a friend of mine. We would just get together. He was making money on eBay. I was making money selling my course online. And we would just talk on our, on our podcast about like, hey, what are we doing to, to, to make this thing work? We were both trying at time to uh, make our entrepreneurship take off. We'd both quit our jobs by then. And so we were all in on being entrepreneurs. And it just so happens that that show back in 2005 started amassing a very uh, loyal and good-sized audience. 
And so as, as things went forward, they started asking for coaching, like, hey, can we learn from you guys? We really enjoy what you're doing. And so soon that blossomed into this full-on educational company for beginning entrepreneurs. And uh, for the next 13 years, that was my, that became my primary focus was training people how to get started in an online business. In fact, that podcast was the very first podcast about online marketing and online business. Um, A few years ago, I stepped away from that business, just as entrepreneurs do. We need to move on to other things and try other, right? We just kind of get feeling stagnant. And so what I've been doing the last uh, few years is I have been working with what I would just refer to as thought leaders, but people with big, important ideas that want to get them out there in a bigger way. You know, so I've, I've worked with people who have a story uh, to tell about, you know, losing their job and then coming back from that and what and then helping other people find their dream job. Or I've worked with people who have had, you know, these great like fitness transformational stories and they want to share that and help other and they start a business around it. Or I've worked with people who are like business professors who write books and then they want to turn that into a business. So I help them do. So that's what I've been focused on the last few years. I help thought leaders, people with big, important ideas to get them out there in a bigger way through online content and online marketing, and essentially putting a business model around their ideas and expertise. So those are kind of the breadcrumbs that have bought, brought me to where I am uh, today, now running workshops and doing consulting for, for those thought leader types. Absolutely fantastic. There's already, there's so many questions I could ask you just, just from that introduction. And it's, it's so, I mean, I started... I started doing my marketing, see I'm losing my voice. I've been on quite a few um, interviews today. I started my marketing 2004. I think that's when I first started looking at promoting my own stuff. So lots of synchronicities and anyone that follows yeah. my podcast, synchronicities is one of my favorite favorite words. Yeah. You have done so much. And I say to the listeners already, I told you to get pen and paper ready because Jason knows so much Uh, you've got so much information to share and even moving from that can you name three things that made you choose your current career and why you've probably given some of that in the introduction but if there was three key areas what would you say they are that you could actually pinpoint yeah, I totally, I love this question and, and because it really did kind of unfold and now I can look back and look at what those key things, those key moments or discoveries were, right? So, you know, part of it was just discovering what am I good at and what do I really want to bring to the world? And so I, you know, I, I learned that I loved that teaching and then there, I thought about going to be a professor, but I was like, I'm just going to end up again in an organization, a bureaucracy, trying to get tenure track. And that's just going to drive me nuts the same way a corporate world job is going to as well. So that discovery of I love teaching and through holding workshops in the internet, I can actually get paid well to teach things that I love and enjoy and I'm continually working and uh, learning about. I mean, that was that was a big deal. And so I'd say that's one of the first key things uh, that that's you know, played a part in where I'm at um, today. I'm also, I've discovered that I'm a very naturally curious person. So I love just learning about new things, novel things all the time. And so both being somebody who works in the, on the internet where things will very fast and develop, you know, day to day, new things are popping up, but also in working with people that have very interesting ideas in all kinds of industries. You know, I love the fact that I get to learn about what these people do, whether it's, you know, I just started with a new consulting client who's trying to transform 
transform uh, nursing homes and elder care in the United States and how we how we approach that. He thinks well, there needs to be a huge change. And so that's just, that's so fulfilling to think I'm going to be learning about what his experience has been in this message that he wants to get out there, right? So that curiosity keeps me um, going as well. And then I'm just, a, I'm a creator at heart too. I talked about being in a band, but I love, you know, taking photo- photographs or I've dabbled in film and I, I love creating content. I love showing up and doing interviews, right? So that curiosity, that, that, with that, with that novelty in what I do, that ability to, uh, teach and that ability to be a creator regularly have come together in my own way to share what are my strengths and my ideas with the world. And it just so happens that I'm helping others do the same. And then that has kind of a compound effect from there. So those are the key elements that I kind of outlined for my story that have really led to, to what I do today. And that is absolutely brilliant. Like we say about your new client, when it comes to working with the elderly and elderly care, I think that's something you can take out on an international global level because. Yeah, it would be wonderful. I mean, from COVID, mm-hmm. we've seen, especially in the UK, it's right. completely different. COVID has hit the elderly care area far harder than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And it was something, it was like, you and I look at strategy and we look at different lines and different channels and different strategies for different things. And mm-hmm. with COVID, it seems it's been a blanket thing for everyone. And it's right. not one size that fits all. Mm-hmm. And I can see what you're offering could easily be taken global once you've worked with the one client you could have many clients that uh, need that help to actually change and pivot on what they're used to doing and going forward in a, in a different way so i can see so many things coming from that and mm-hmm. all your background and the knowledge this is what i love and this is partly why i set up the podcast is to get true experts on to talk about the field that you work Mm -hmm. in you and i do marketing social media and because we've now got a whole generation that has grown up using social media so they think they understand it but using marketing or social media in a personal level as opposed to business are two completely different things and they need to be approached differently Mm -hmm. and quite often I will say I will post something and then you'll have someone that's just starting out and they will then put their post next to mine and you see the difference in figures and to the audience trying to explain we've got so many years of experience and understanding that some of these people that are new to the business yes there's space for everyone but it's that different levels of understanding and what the clients and the customers will get from us because we bring those years of experience. We've tried it. We know when to pivot. We know when to change. We know which channel to use when we're marketing. And you're, you're the perfect, perfect example of that. Well, thanks. Yeah, that's exactly it. I will move on from this where we've said about and where you've had the, your, um, what got you to your current career. What are the key values? So, sorry, what key values does your business offer you? What key? What key values does it offer me? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a great question. You have some really good questions here, Pearl. It's like it's so insightful to think through these things. I would. Uh, so, so I mean, I touch a little bit on that in my in my last answer, but to expound on that, so you know, I talked about how 
curiosity and discovery are an important value and that that's yeah. built into my business creativity right um, and then a value that's important to me too is is authenticity and I, I like working with personal brands like people who want to be known for their story for what they know and in many ways you know the way that they're going to get their work out there in the biggest way is to just really lean into being themselves and knowing that there's some audience out there that's going to resonate with who they are and their vision and values and perspective on that particular area of expertise or that particular topic, right? And so I love the fact that uh, what I am doing is helping people take their most authentic, uh, most unique self and just amplify that into the world. And it's very important for me to also approach marketing and sales in an authentic way as well, because marketing can really very easily stray into the, the not authentic, the unethical, the manipulative, the, you know, these, the, the fear mongering and then all those things, right. That are quote unquote effective for some, but that are just not what I uh, prefer to put that out there in the world. So I'd say that authenticity, um, I love connecting with, with passionate people. That's uh, that's something that really drives my, my life. So, you know, somebody who comes to me is somebody that just has such a burning desire to share their thing in the world that they've you know, found my materials and thought, oh, Jason can help me do that. And so that, that's important to me as well in my business. Um, and then something I try to do in everything is put out there, help, helping people to have not only the authenticity, but confidence and clarity about where they're going and how they're going to get there as well. So um, Creativity, contribution, connection with passionate people, authenticity, uh, clarity, um, empathy is an important value to me. I think empathy is one of the most important words in marketing and sales because the better you can put yourself in the place of those that you're trying to reach and gain the attention and trust of, the easier job you're going to have of really resonating and being relevant to them. So um, hopefully that answers the question, but those are those are the values that I, I've built into my business that, that I, I get to live on a on a on a daily basis that is absolutely brilliant and this is why i put questions like that into the interviews because then the listener can resonate with the personality and the values that you offer ideally the listener and audience then become potential clients and customers because they resonate Mm -hmm. in those way and it is right it's being your authentic self like you say this is seems to be the buzzword across a lot of marketing but you can't beat it Mm -hmm. Right. If, if someone's false when it comes to marketing, it doesn't land. It, you you mm-hmm. don't connect with the audience correctly and you don't get the results you're looking for. So authenticity and empathy couldn't be right. more completely, completely, yeah. completely attuned to what you're saying there. I'm now going to move on to this next question because where these, where these questions came from, when I work with my corporate clients, quite often I need content off of them to actually promote them. So I put yeah. these questions together originally for like blog articles. So some of them have corporate nature in them. So the this one is what keeps you awake at night? Now, this is a classic thing I ask my CEOs and directors because that's almost what people are asking. But Jason, what does keep you awake at night? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what keeps me awake at, right, at night right now is that uh, there, there are just so many so many big issues we need to solve in this world, right? And we're living in these very um, changing, disruptive times. Um, a spotlight is getting 
you know, a spotlight is, is shining on all of these issues. You know, we mentioned earlier how COVID and the elder care industry, like, like COVID has done that in so many different industries, just like shining a light on here are the cracks or here's where we need to precipitate and evolve faster in the way we work or in the way that we connect or, and so, um, you know, the fact, the fact that we're in that such a disruptive time and things feel so uncertain. Uh, it's been a good practice for me to be more comfortable with that uncertainty of the, the future. Um, but then I find that one of the elements that keeps me awake at night is just um, wishing that there was a little more uh, critical thinking in the world <laughs> and seeing how easily um, we get swayed one way or the other. And I'm not saying I'm immune to this, right? But we can just see a lot that's going on, whether um, in politics or related to the pandemic and so forth. It's like, you know, a good dose of critical thinking, um, if we were taught that better when we were young, would really help us at a time like this when we need some very uh, measured and, and well-thought-out approaches to, to what's going to come next in all of this disruption. So that's something I think about a lot. Um, and I do take comfort in the fact that, uh, you know, my, my hope is that I'm helping these thought leaders that I work with, well, to reach whatever that, that specific problem or, or population is that they can best help. And, and hopefully that's, you know, just improving things in one corner of the world. And then with each person I work with, you know, that fans out from there. Um, so those, those are the things I think about. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And this is partly why I started the podcast because mm. so many things have changed with lockdown and the whole idea of COVID has forced people to take a look at them, reassess themselves and see where they're going, what they need to do. And more and more, like you say about with the news and what people understand, mm-hmm. it's got to the stage yeah. now where our history, we don't even know if it's the true historic facts that we're seeing because it's always given by the viewpoint of media and depending on the slant that that media station has or whoever it is that's actually the sponsors of that station they have a political leaning or they have a certain agenda that they need to fulfill and most people that consume our news any online or anything like that most of the audience aren't aware of that. And so they take right. this face value and you get all the conspiracy theories going through. And it's no wonder people question and this whole mm-hmm. idea of fake news. I think a lot right. of the listeners wouldn't really know what fake news was because if, it, if they're used to seeing it in a stream, in one of their social streams or something coming through and they feel and they read it and they see it often enough, they start to believe what it is. Right. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's where you say where it keeps you awake. Yes, because you're actually thinking about the facts behind it. And mm-hmm. it shows that, one, you're in the area of work that you should be doing because you're constantly mm. thinking of new ideas. And each of my guests, when I get answers to this, I either get an answer like you where you're thinking of things, which is the way I am. And if I've got an idea, that's it. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I have to I know I won't get back to sleep and I know now just get up and work with the idea. Mm -hmm. And then you've got other people that say, oh, yes, they sleep perfectly. And I say, right, you're in the right role because you couldn't to worry about. But I'd also say there's those like us that because we're driven and passionate about what we do. Yes, it keeps us awake. But that's a nice question to add because you do get to see insight of Mm -hmm. someone's character. And again, it goes back to that empathy 
an authenticity that you were talking about before and you get to really understand the personality of the person you're going to be working with. Mm. Yeah. So, so I did warn you, I do go off track sometimes. But <laughs> um, it's great. Now, Jason, where and how do you work best? Again, this is building your profile so that the listeners can see, right, yes, they really want to work yeah. with you because they can connect in so many ways. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting ways you can approach this question, right? Uh, I mean, in terms of like environment, um, I... I, I, of course, I work at home quite a bit, but that that bit of needing novelty, um, you know, I'm pre-pandemic, I was used to, when I wanted to, going to a coffee shop for a change of, of scenery, right? And I've had to find that in, in different ways now. So, that, I mean, that's one way that I work best is, is being able to change up my environment if I'm just, if I, you know, and I can, I can claim, I've learned a sense when that is that I need to do that. Now, um, thankfully, I've recently moved in this, the, the home I live in now, there's kind of lots of different interesting and there's the backyard and it's still warm enough right now. And here's my desk here, but there's also a chair over there by the window, right? So it's like I built in ways to switch up my environment, but then also just making sure I'm in, I, I'm surrounded by not only the tools that I need, but also things that inspire me um, as well. Um, Another way to look at this, uh, uh, to look at this question, I think is to understand um, strengths and, and to know when are you operating in your unique genius? Cause I definitely can tell a difference in my engagement and my fulfillment in the quality of my output when I'm focusing on those things that I'm really good at. And, you know, I've come to discover that um, there's a way that I research things that is not your average, that not the average way, the way that everybody thinks of, right? And so that's something that my clients actually really value. I used to think like, oh, well, isn't that something everybody does, right? That they know how to go and research a thing and find an answer relatively quickly, a good answer. Um, but not necessarily. Like some people, you know, and we all have our different strengths, right? Um, I also, you know, happen to be good at asking you know, questions and pulling stuff out of a person in order to help them kind of come to, which is, you know, great for coaches and consultants. So when I'm operating in those types of, of strengths, that's also where I do um, my best work. I think another way you can look at this is knowing with whom, like what, oh, what audience do you serve or the colleagues and coworkers or you know, people you partner and collaborate with, right? And so I love, like I said, working with people who are just very passionate about a thing, whatever that thing is, when they really feel compelled to to learn and share and create in that area, that I feed off of that energy as well. Um, so those are all some different, you know, just to name a, a few different areas of where, when and where I work um, my best. Um, and then, I mean, in terms of like time of day and stuff like that, it can really... Um, very, but lately I've been, you know, really taking time in the morning for myself to read, go on a bike ride, you know, do those things to prep for the day. And so sometimes I'm not even really starting quote unquote, sitting down and working till 10 or 11 AM even sometimes. Right. So, you know, and I just come to learn and notice it's like, well, that's my rhythm and that's what I need. And that's how I operate. So I don't know there's a, there's a few insights at least into how I work best. And hopefully that might offer some, some insight for somebody else listening. This is wonderful. And actually, you've given me the most comprehensive answer because you fully understood what I was after in the question. Mm. Oh, I love it. Well, come in and they do just one slice of that. But you've completely Mm. understood, like I said, because when you look at that, it can be looked in so many different ways. Right. And you've 
you have you've covered every single area and that's where the listeners will love that as well because again it's getting to know your character and see and it gives them more chance to say yes we want to work with jason we're really feeling that empathy that understanding Mm. the authenticity and it does and like you say when you said about the time of day 5am club robin sharma now i've been listening to that on audible 5g i rave about that i have found for years if i want to contact a ceo or director i'm working with it's normally between 4 30 and 5 a.m that i send emails because i'm so used to doing that and that's when they answer Mm. me and that's when the people are working like you say you have that routine i do my meditations in the morning i do my Mm -hmm. affirmations and i set my tasks i do the exercise piece and it is quite often 10 11 o'clock before you're ready to start because you've got so much that you've already packed into the day mm-hmm. before you actually have those first meetings so right synchronicities again see i told you most of my <laughs> listeners know this is one of my favorite words and it's why yeah people, it's why people connect and you can see from the network where you grow and you mm-hmm. have that synchronization and there's i can see so many similarities where we complement each other in different ways. And this is where I know it's going to land so well with the audience. Right. Yeah. Now I'm going to move on where I've said, where and how do you work best? What tools do you use that makes your work life easier? Um, Well, I love making my life easier. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, You know, a, a couple of the first ones that come to mind aren't anything like particularly groundbreaking or sexy or anything like that. Um, as an adult, just a few years ago, I was diagnosed with ADHD. You know, that's something I've had my whole life without realizing it, right? And one of the most important things I've learned there is that, well, my brain just works differently than than other people's brains, than neurotypical as they call it, right? Um, my executive functions particularly, which is like some, like I have a really great memory in some areas and then something can slip my mind from four minutes ago, right? So, and the reason I bring that up is I've had to build in systems that really help capture and mitigate, uh, you know, c- capture the important stuff, get it out of my brain to where it can be, you know. So I, I, I use um, Asana, which is a free project management, task management. Uh, and I tell people, like, pick the one that works best for you. I'm not one to be like, oh, you've got to use, you know, such and such base camp or whatever, right? But uh, just having that, a place where you really – keep track of all the stuff written down and not trying to keep it in my head is very, very important to me. I live by my calendar. I live by reminders in my phone. I've had to train myself. You know, if I'm like, oh yeah, I should, I need to remember to take that thing when I go with my daughter to drop her off there. And if, because that's going to be important to have that thing, then like I set a reminder in my phone and I also ask myself, where do I need to put this thing so that, right? So my reminders are constantly coming up in the morning to, you know, take a pill or, you know, hey, it's time to put the recycling out tonight because tomorrow that's when it's coming. Um, and so I'm just like, uh, so my brain doesn't have to operate and use energy for those things. So again, these are pretty basic tools, but I've, I've just learned to use them in a way that's just so critical for preserving my own cognitive energy. And we all have limited cognitive energy. Um, and so I appreciate those, those tools helping me um, quite a bit. Um, of course, I, you know, communications tools are important to me because I help people with communications and I communicate with a lot of people. Of course, we're all using Zoom a lot right now or some equivalent of it, right? Um, so that's, uh, though. Here, you know, I'll, I'll mention, uh, and again, none of this is like, oh my gosh, this one tool that nobody's heard of, but 
I've actually been switching more of my communications. I mean, this, this is great for a podcast interview because we can see each other and interact, right? But I've been switching more of my stuff to just a regular phone call. Like even if I'm using Skype to call Thailand or something like that, because, and I actually read about this, speaking of cognitive energy, explanations of why Zoom can be so draining on us when we're on it for like, you know, we have four or five meetings in a day, or if we're in it like four or five hours in a row, like that, the way we have to focus, right, and on, on, the, on the screen, and it's just kind of a very like bound in energy, right? So um, being able to take a call on my phone and like wander around my back, pace around my backyard and see the green leaves above me, and I'm still tuning in and listening, but it's a very different energy and actually a bit of a recuperation, you know, say from this type of energy. Yes. So um, I guess really a point I'm getting to is it's learning to use some of these you know, simple tools that we probably all have around or think, like, yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I need to use that or want to use something like that um, in order to do some of that cognitive work for our brains and save ourselves that energy that's so valuable um, for you know, making decisions and listening and interacting and being strategic and creative and, and things like that. Absolutely love that. And yes, there's synchronicities as well. <coughs> I love to plan my day because like you say, once you know, once you've got the schedule and like you, there's some days, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing 17 podcast interviews a week and I had to see where it was fitting, mm. who I was seeing. And I didn't even know what day it was because I had so much <laughs> going on. And that schedule I had to rely on. And yeah. it really helps. And also you find you get far more done. If you haven't got a schedule and you've got nothing in the diary, how many people don't actually start or accomplish anything? And before they know it, it's the right. end of the day and they haven't done anything. And again, mm -hmm. when you say just having the conversation, like you, I've had quite a few calls where I've taken it and I've done my, my steps because I do my Fitbit and I'm in all these challenges and I, I will do my steps outside whilst I'm taking a meeting, which mm -hmm. before lockdown, I used to do what they call walk and talk meetings where we'd meet in a park mm -hmm. and we'd actually talk. Of course, we can't do that now. And right. sometimes the whole schedule disappears. But once it's actually there and you know you have the tasks set and the reminders, mm -hmm. it makes such a difference. You achieve so much more. Yeah. And when you get to the end of the day, instead of thinking, oh, I haven't done anything, you've got a great amount of lists and that you can actually tick off and say and hit those endorphins and say, yes, I've actually done that. So mm -hmm. it's great mm -hmm. to hear. So, see, I say again, synchronicities. See, mm -hmm. this is why we connected. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right, I'm now this is where we start to get to know Jason and how almost sort of the how your personally personality came about. What would you have done differently in your life if you'd known then what you know now? Mm. Um okay, so what immediately comes to mind, and of course hindsight's twenty twenty and twenty, but you're asking the question, right? So yeah. if I look back, um Professionally speaking, one of the things I wish I'd just done more of was was been even more consistent and prolific with creating and putting ideas and content out there. Um, now, you know, I've, I've done lots and lots of interviews and I had that podcast for 13 years and every week I write a, a letter to my newsletter. And But um, 
you know, I, I know that if I had been that much more consistent that whether it's a, you know, a video channel on YouTube as well, or there's been times that I haven't been as consistent with my newsletter, but I've seen it time and time again, whether with my clients or colleagues, it's like when you're just consistent at putting your ideas out there, even if they're not perfectly polished yet, um, and not let perfect perfectionism or whatever, you know, fear of criticism, imposter syndrome get in your way. Uh, it just accelerates opportunity for you. You're, you stay top of mind. You are uh, crafting what you want to be known for. You're more easily found when people are looking either for you or for something that you can speak to and specialize in, you know, expanding your network. Um, and that's probably a second thing I would say is, is like for the first decade or dozen years of being an entrepreneur, I, I'm very naturally an, an introvert. I mean, I can I can, you know, connect and turn it on and be personable. I go to conferences and, you know, enjoy meeting people, but it takes a lot of energy for me. And so I haven't been, I've had to really train myself to be the type of person that keeps in touch and nurtures the, that network um, in a more natural way. So that, that would be a second thing that I would say is I wish that in that first decade of being an entrepreneur, I'd just been a lot more proactive at keeping in touch with people and reaching out people and not worrying about, oh, am I bothering them? Or, you know, they, they don't want to hear from me or whatever. All the things we do that talk us out of doing the, the connection uh, type stuff, right? So those are a couple of things that I wish if I could go back and start over or go back to my early entrepreneur self and say, hey, here are two things that are just going to serve you really well. If you can just buckle down and learn how to do them well and be consistent, uh, those are the two things that I would tell myself. And that that is absolutely brilliant. And you and I know from the experience and how things have changed. Like now, so many times I hear people saying you have to show up on your social channels every day. And yes, I've got a large network and that network continues to grow, but I don't always show up every day. If I feel mm. that my schedule isn't fit into that or more importantly, if I don't have something to say, actually forcing yourself to try and think of something to share with the network every day. And if it isn't there and it doesn't feel authentic, it goes back to that authenticity bit. You don't necessarily need to do it, but it's, it's understanding that. And mm -hmm. also, because like I can remember when I first started doing Twitter, and I think that was that was about. 2005 maybe 2006 and when I when Twitter first started and it was a case of you could post every hour and you could set one post to schedule or say 10 posts and you set mm -hmm. them to randomly come out and they post but that's what people expected at the time so that because we know that that scrolling profile the news feed is filled all the time that people don't always notice that it's the same thing that's going out. Whereas now the audience is far more concerning. They will look at things right. and they will say, oh, no, I don't like that. And seeing that and learning and understanding what has worked before and what doesn't work now, that's as much a learning curve as seeing what has worked and to try again and almost right. saying, saying to the people that are now starting up, that have made yeah. thought, yes in lockdown they've got their first um embryonic idea that they want to turn into mm. a business yeah. is listening to all those pearls of wisdom that you're sharing that you're all those ideas and explaining from your experience rather and that's why i say to the audience 
go with people like yourself, Jason, that has been there, done it, knows the best route, rather yeah. than trying to copy so many different people and going like a zigzag route, which will take you twice as long. Go with the experts that have tried it, done it, tried it, know what works, and make sure you get through from A to B as quickly as possible without taking a detour. And that's yeah. that's almost what you say to mm-hmm. your younger self. Yes, don't worry, you know what you're doing. Take these bits on board, but don't constantly try and be the same as everyone else because you right. out by not. I've maybe gone off topic again, but I did warn you that. I did. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's it's good stuff. Now, I'm going to move on to the next one. Now, this one, what is your biggest challenge and why? Mm, yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely can be very much a, um, a perfectionist, and that gets in my way at times. Um, you know, the, I always think that strengths and and challenges are often you know the opposite side of the same same coin, right? Um, but if I dig down even deeper, I mean, one of my biggest challenges is that um, you know I've, I've dealt I have a brain and and maybe a, a body I don't know whether by DNA probably partially at least by DNA or whatever that that I'm very prone towards anxiety and so this is something I like to talk about a lot because uh, amongst un- entrepreneurs mental health is, is, a, is a huge challenge at higher than the average population. And I don't know if that's by, you know, chicken or, or the egg, you know, entrepreneurship is stressful. And so there's more, you know, people with anxiety or, you know, maybe when you're, you know, you tend to have social anxieties or ADHD or whatever, you know, you're, you're drawn to doing your own thing. I don't, you know, it's probably a combination of, of the both, but, um, you know, and, and that challenge has shown up in a number of ways in my life. I mean, I've gone through, you know, periods of time where that anxiety has really gotten the better of me and debilitated me for months on end, you know, and going to therapy and seeing a psychiatrist and working hard on those things to and learning coping mechanisms has been so important, you know, come back on track. Um, and just knowing that that's something that can pop up and rear its head at any, any given time and learning what are the things that can really spike that, you know, anxiety response in me and, and knowing that if I go past a certain point, then it can really spiral out of control. So how do I become aware of my thoughts and more mindful and, you know, all these things that go along with that. Um, and so that's just been an ever present thing that's definitely shaped, shaped my life. It's been something I've had to regularly deal with, but I think it's also taught me a lot of good things out of necessity. Um, and it's a, a challenge I, I like talking about as much as I can, because I, I feel like it's really important to be aware of mental health challenges, talk about them openly and normalize them, you know, have conversations about them, make it feel normal to go see. I mean, I live in New York city. Having a therapist is like an everyday thing in New York city, but you go elsewhere and people are like, Oh, therapist. No, I don't want to go and put my thoughts out for anyone. Right. But the truth is like, we could all use, therapy like that's that's normalize whether it's taking medication or, or being a, a therapist or just knowing how to through meditation and exercises and things like that I mean modern society and uh, culture has can be very very challenging especially at a time like this so I would just love to see us have better dialogue and better tools around mental health and that I couldn't agree more quite often I will get on my high horse in fact I've been on a couple of interviews recently for um, my serenity radio show where I've actually said about the mental health 
and social media, like I spoke mm. about before, where you've got whole generations mm-hmm. that have grown up using it. And the pressure yeah. those generations have, like if they don't get enough likes on a post, if it doesn't get shared enough, and the mental health issues that yeah. impacted that, I just want to shout out to everyone and say, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the numbers. If you're right. authentic and you understand the keywords you're using from the marketing side, you connect with the right people. It doesn't matter if you only connect with five people, but those five people become your part of your tribe and they fully connect with you. Mm-hmm. It's far better than having 5,000 people that don't connect and just cause no end of problems that when you post something, instead of agreeing and wanting to learn, they're writing negative posts and trying to put down what you're doing. It's far Mm -hmm. better to have a smaller group and have the correct tribe and get people to understand that. And like you say, the current climate, when it comes to mental health, anxiety, is going to be impacted more. And right. it, it could this could be the new normal going forward that like right. so many businesses that had office space and are thinking, no, they can they can stop some of their overheads and drastically cut them by having the workforce working from home. Yes, mm-hmm. there's positives from that. But the mental health issues that you're not connecting with people, that you're not actually having that day to day engagement that you would normally have. These are all things and issues that you need to consider as well. And they are they are the challenges that I think face everyone, but not mm-hmm. everyone's brave enough to actually admit it. Right. And hopefully yeah, yeah, having, it. Yep. But it's hopefully yeah. having these sort of discussions, we're showing people you can d- talk about it and you can feel more comfortable and hopefully stop some of that anxiety and maybe make the mental health awareness greater so we know how Mm -hmm. to help people cope yeah yeah 100 percent agree now i will just double check i've just seen the time are we okay to carry on because i know we've still got we've still got a few (laughs) we're good brilliant because otherwise i'd be asking you back to do to answer some more (laughs) questions like this now this one i've been told is uh that it's a bit egocentric now i didn't see it as that when i was reading it when i was writing it but still jason how do you want to be remembered yeah it's right when i first heard you when you sent this question to look at um you know i did have a bit of that thing of like oh what a what a thing to think about and or to even assume that i'll be remembered for certain things but you know really we do have things that we want to be known for or remembered for um and so I just asked myself, okay, well, if I were to pick like three words or three things, you know, what, what would they be? And just to see what would come to the top of my mind. Um, and we already talked about one of them, which is authenticity. So I want to be remembered as being, you know, an authentic person that, you know, one of the best things that I, I can hear is when I go to a conference and somebody who's listened to my podcast in the past or consumed my content for years and they meet me in person and, we have the chance to have a chat or we're at a dinner together or something. And for them to say, it's like, wow, yeah, you're just, you're in, like in person the way you are in your content, right? There's not a different persona that I'm, that I'm putting out there. It's, it's still a part of, of me and who I am. Um, I want to be thought of as like a, a compassionate or considerate person, somebody who considers the, the, the feelings of others. I mean, that's, 
that, that compassion and consideration is what keeps business and marketing and sales from going awry, right? And seeing others as not an end to our own means, but, you know, the ends on, they have their own ends of, of their own. And hopefully we can find a way to support each other in those ends, right? Um, and then the third thing that I like to think I'll be remembered for is just somebody who you could turn to for trusted support. Um, whether that's just, you know, to a good listener or somebody who, if you asked for a particular type of advice that either I would have something to, to share that was, you know, not too overly prescriptive or assumptive, but that, you know, was helpful or that I, you know, be able to point somebody in the right direction of, of a resource or a thing that they might need or enjoy or, or whatever the case may be. So, uh, you know, that trusted source of support and information, compassionate, considerate, and uh, authentic are kind of those three areas that popped in mind for me. And I'd say you already epitomize all of those things. So definitely, this is why this is why I put the question in there. I wasn't even thinking egotistically. It was thinking about what was important to you and everything right. you yeah. said. You embody that anyway. And that's what I love about the guests that I have on the podcast, because each mm. and every one... Once they look at it and they answer that question, they already embody all those things that they want to be remembered by. Mm -hmm. And that's where it shows true character in a person. So yeah. that was a fantastic answer. I loved it. And the audience will love it as well. It, well I appreciate thank that. You. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this one. Jason, as a child, what did you want to be and how close to that are you now? How close to the dream are you now? Uh, yeah, so in, in hindsight, I think I'm very close or dead on, even though, you know, if you had asked eight-year-old Jason or 12-year-old Jason or whatever, you know, I think he would have said, well, something to do with space, um, you know, some kind of scientist or some kind of engineer. And the reason I went into engineering at first, because I enjoyed science and I was good at math and, you know, I heard that it would be a good, stable job to, you know, raise a family or whatever. Um, but really, I think what was driving me at the time was just that curiosity that I've talked about, right? Space was just such an open, ripe place to go and be curious and discover things about. And so is the science in general. Um, you know, I'm not a scientist or an engineer, at least in the traditional terms now, but I, I think the things that would have made me say that when I was young are the same things that have also driven me to do what I do today. Just back then, I didn't know that there would be such a thing as what I do today or that that was even an option or possibility, right? Um, like entrepreneurship wasn't even on my, my radar at the time to even know that it's like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur when I grow up. Um, so all of that came with some increased self-awareness. Self but that's where I do see the tie back to things I wanted to do or be um, or study when I was younger. And again, this is that's the perfect answer. That's why I put the question in to actually see because a lot of my guests can say, yes, they're actually doing what they wanted, what they dreamt of as a child. So you mm -hmm. can see you followed the passion and you're really well positioned to do that. Others have completely pivoted. And when they then share their journey, you can see all the different areas that they've gone into but the ones that are really dedicated and are good at what they do is because you've had that passion your whole life. And it might have changed mm. slightly, but it's following that thread. So that's, again, that the audience can see and hear that. And mm -hmm. it just it just 
emphasizes just how good you are at what you do and those skills you've been honing all your life so that they're just getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, this one, I'm afraid this is a slightly selfish question because I love books. I love to learn and I always ask mm-hmm. this of all my guests because one it means I can add to my collection and I think it's going to resonate with the audience as well. Again, seeing those key things. So, Jason, can you name three titles of your favourite books and why you've chosen them, please? Yeah, this one's a little hard. I'm looking over here at my books on the shelf. It was a little hard to try to totally narrow down. Um, for sure, there would need to be a Brene Brown book on there because I there's, I mean, her her work, not only for the mental health stuff, has been super valuable for me, but I think she's just doing amazing work uh, in general that the world needs. And also the way she goes about doing her work, you know, the type of research, and she's so thoughtful and figures out these ways to talk and very, you know, easy to understand terms, but uh, also backed by research and science and, and bring understanding to something like understanding vulnerability and shame and perfectionism, right? So um, anyway, so that is to say that uh, then, then it comes down to answer your question of what book to say. And again, I'm looking at all her books that I have right here. Um, you know, I, I guess I would go with Daring Greatly because that's kind of the one where I first discovered her her work, but they're also great for, for different reasons. So that's that's number one that comes to mind for me. Um, another one that's been really interest or really important for me or formative along the way is a book. Um, it's it's not actually written by Dan Sullivan. So Dan Sullivan is an entrepreneurial strategic coach. He's got a, a an organization called Strategic Coach. Um, and uh, they they have masterminds and trainings and workshops and things for entrepreneurs all over the world. Um, but he has a process he came up with called Unique Ability, and then his team wrote a book. Um, in fact, now they have Unique Ability 2.0 is is their one that came out a few years ago, and it helps you zero in on like what is it that you bring to the world and the, you know, you're uniquely suited to bring to the world. And that was such a impactful idea for me personally and his process that he lays out for going through that. And then it's also greatly influenced how I work with entrepreneurs and how I, um, you know, help, I find it so important to help them, um, find their unique ability, their unique genius, if you will. Um, ever since discovering that, you know, a decade or so ago. So unique, so unique ability 2.0. I actually don't remember the, who the exact authors are off the top of my head, but it's from the strategic coach uh, organization. That's the second one um, that pops to my mind uh, there as well. And then the, the third one, again, it's so hard to, um, it's so hard to narrow all the way, all the way down to to just those um, three. But uh, another one that's been really formative for me is I would say, um, yeah, let's go with, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw another Brene Brown one in there because for me this has just been really helpful lately, and that's is one of her earlier books is called uh, Gifts of Imperfection, um, and in fact I just hung up. She's got these ten kind of guideposts uh, for life that are she covers in that book, and I just hung them up yesterday so I could see them regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, she calls them her ten guideposts for wholehearted living, you know. And for instance, the first one is authenticity. 
um, and letting go of what people think about you. You know, so there's like the two opposite sides. That's just one example of the 10. So that's a third book that I'll, I'll put out there as well. Um, not to overdo the Brene Brown, but I think she's just very top of mind for me right now. But that is absolutely brilliant. And, it's, and they're fantastic titles and they're going to help people to learn and grow. I have had a few guests that have have bent the rules slightly and put a whole series as one book. Quite a few people ah. giving me the Harry Potter, the whole set of Harry Potters, because they said they can't choose one. And it's, ah. So you could, right. I, I, should, I should have stopped you and said, oh, you can have all of those as one, but then it's not ah. there. But it is, you see, this is why I love books so much. Right. Actually finding three is quite hard because then you go, and also depends when people are asked that question. Because next month we could have other favourite books because we're, we're maybe researching a different subject. Yeah. And it really mm-hmm. resonates. Depends where you are in your journey, what books and what topic is going to resonate with you. And that's another reason why I throw that question in because there is mm-hmm. so much that we can learn from so many different authors, um, whether it's fact or fiction that you're reading, your imagination still helps you fully comprehend and understand it Mm -hmm. and again in this time of lockdown where we're not where it's that new normal actually sitting down and reading and enjoying a good book Mm -hmm. helps with that mental health piece helps you actually feel that silence Mm -hmm. that you're maybe not used to because like we say again the ways we're used to working has completely turned itself on its head Mm-hmm. And escaping into a book is a nice way to learn and grow at the same time. I agree. Yeah. But we've nearly, nearly come to the end. So we've got a few more questions now. We, with this one, Jason, who would you say are your key influences and why? I mean, that might yeah, be I'm gonna some s- of the books. <laughs> Yeah, I, it does go along with the books. I might sound a little bit like a broken record. I definitely going to mention uh, Brene Brown. And again, I, I really like how she's gone about her her career. And she's got herself to this place where she gets to do original research, but she's also you know putting thought leadership out in the world, making a great impact, shaping a conversation. Um, she's crossed multiple you know industries, like you know business bring her you know she's 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 her books aren't business books right but she speaks all the time for business and executives right and then the military will have her come and speak and then she'll you know she can also be seen as like personal development self-help or she'll be on oprah or right then mental health practitioners obviously follow so i just love that her ideas have like crossed um, she, she's kind of like a, a Taylor Swift of, of uh, you know, thought leadership. Taylor Swift, I bring up just because, you know, she started as a country star and then a, like a pop star, kind of went into some like electronica dance stuff, uh, just kind of singer-songwriter. Like that's one of the reasons she's one of the best-selling artists in the world. She transcends all these genres. And, and I just think that's so cool how Brene Brown has done that. Um, another one I would also bring up is Dan Sullivan, who I mentioned from Street Strategic Coach. Um, and I participated in his program for, for a while and got a lot out of it. But one of the big things that I, I mean, I, I do really like a lot of his ideas and I, I love how he creates really useful frameworks. So um, when you go through his program, he, he'll get like, he'll, they'll cover, for instance, they have a framework for unique genius, unique ability, right? Or they have a framework for learning to delegate effectively. And these are frameworks you can go back to even years later and just use and reuse in very, um, uh, very, very interesting ways, depending on where you're at in your, in your business. 
And I think he's a great example of scalable thought leadership. When you are one who, who makes money because of your knowledge and ideas that you put out there, it's very easy to be limited by the fact that you are the source of those ideas and those materials. So you become a bottleneck if you're the one that has to create all the content or if you're the one that has to create all the ideas. All the, But he's set up his organization and team in such a way and um, mapped out his signature ideas and processes in such a way that he's trained dozens and dozens of coaches all over the year, all over the world. And he has, you know, a center in LA, Chicago, Dallas, London. Um, you know, I, I think he's got 10 or 12 different centers all over the world in Canada where he's from. Um, and so his ideas are what get taught in all of those centers for where entrepreneurs go to take these workshops. Um, and he's, he teaches some of them, but only, you know, certain groups that have been in the program so long that now a certain amount of time. And so now they actually take workshops directly from him. Right. But so even though, um, you know, the, the year that I went through the program, I was actually being taught in our workshops, I go to Chicago once a quarter for these, these workshops and was learning from somebody else. It was all Dan Sullivan's ideas. And that just really impacted me to think about, okay, that's, that's an interesting way. Like I could see fast forwarding five years or, or whatever it might be. And there are centers all over the world, you know, you know these, these thought leadership centers that are based on, you know, research that I'm doing and ideas that I've created and, re- and just figuring out like what are the absolute best ways to go about growing a thought leadership based brand and business mm-hmm. in order to have that kind of impact in the world. And so um, he's the second person that comes up as a as an influencer. I'm sure I could go on and on, but those are already two pretty lengthy <laughs> answers. But uh, and it relates to the books, but you know, it gives some further um, input on on why those are you know influential people for me. And that is absolutely brilliant. And I know we've got a few, just last few questions, but I'm going to put this request out to you. I know we talked about briefly before we started the podcast. You have so much to share with the audience, Jason. Would you come back as a guest in the future? Because like we say, just one of these questions could be a whole podcast Mm. topic because you've got a wealth of knowledge to share. And I'd love to ask you back to be a regular guest. Yeah, that would be my pleasure. I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you. And then we've got, we're literally down to the last three questions. Now, mm-hmm. you still, are we still okay with time? We're still okay with time? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're okay. okay. Absolutely, yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Right, in that case, right, next question. If you could, this is the one I have to take a big deep breath because it's the longest question out of all of them. Mm-hmm. If you could share a great meal with anyone, alive or dead, what would the meal be and who would it be with? Mm -hmm. so i mean there's a lot of answers i could give to this um i'm going to go back to my musician days um as i was becoming a performing musician and a songwriter and you know learning guitar and recording music um you know i had musicians and people artists that i i really looked up to and followed and who really shaped um, my style and a lot of that, what I was doing. So somebody who, who popped to mind with this question is um, Sting, who for my, my mom was a huge Sting fan. So I can remember listening to his music growing up. And then I just, you know, continued to be a, a huge fan of his music um, afterwards. And I, uh, you know, I, yeah, I'd love to sit down and I guess just talk to, talk to him. Um, and what would the meal be? I can't remember if he's like a vegan or vegetarian, but I guess they could serve him whatever version he needed for his. Um, and then for mine, I, uh, 
I'm a big fan of, I mean, I, I love, well, I love certain, um, okay, actually, you know what? I, I know what I'm going to go with is I'm going to go with, um, I can remember being in, uh, this is going to seem like a weird association. So like there's sting, you think I'd pick something that's like English or from the UK <laughs> or something, but one of the best meals I've had was when I was visiting Prague and, you know, like Prague and those Eastern European countries, there's always like, uh, uh, like beef stroganoff or like those really hearty type uh, dishes like noodles and meat and stuff. And I just remember having this beef stroganoff in Prague that just like was some of the best stuff I'd ever eaten. I just like, this is so good. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's what comes to mind in terms of uh, a meal to eat if I'm like, picking whatever I, whatever I could. So uh, yeah, that's, that's my answer. I love it. Absolutely love it. And one, and again, synchronicities here. Now, mm -hmm. yes, Sting, before he started out with police, with the police, he was um, a tutor at one of the UK um, universities. And I do believe it was Warwick University. And if it's Warwick University, that's if I remember my history well enough, mm -hmm. that's the closest university to where I live. So how's, oh, that, no for, kidding. how's that for synchronicity there? That's nice. <laughs> that's so cool. And with that as well, when you say the meals, it is because this is why I mix the two. The person you'd most like to have the conversation with and a meal because mm -hmm. it becomes a proper conversation. You're enjoying good food and good conversation at the same mm -hmm. time. Whereas when it's just sitting down and talking, it's more, is it a discussion? Is it more of you don't have quite the same feel it's a right, completely right, different right. setting as to when you actually get to to discuss over a meal it lasts longer and right. also it gives me ideas of what i want to eat for tea when i do these podcasts and i get all these different yeah. ideas for meals so yes thank you with that we're down to the last two questions and i am going to put mm -hmm. these two to do together because they do really i feel they overlap and this okay. is the bit that all the listeners make sure you write everything down and all the links and everything will be added in the description so you can reach out to Jason. Mm -hmm. you now, Jason, what services, what services or items do you offer to your clients or customers? And do you have any special offers or anything on at the present time? Okay, yeah. So as I said, I work with thought leaders to help them translate their unique genius, their ideas, their, their story, message, expertise, um, into, I work with a lot of people to make online courses. So a lot of coaches and consultants, academics, and, uh, you know, bring their knowledge to me and say, Hey, I'd like to put this into some kind of new income stream. Um, that's not dependent on my time. So it can help me turn this into an online offering. Um, or sometimes like an author will come to me because they've written a book and they're like, Hey, the book was great, but it's not a business model. What do I do now to actually reach people grow an audience, uh, turn it into income. Um, so that's one of the things that I do. One, through one-on-one -on -one consulting and, and workshops, I work with people to launch their online courses. And then I also just work with uh, people in consulting and workshops for thought leaders for business strategy. So what are the, the pieces of the business model that might be missing? I do a lot of positioning and messaging, branding work with them to, to help them you know, stand out and gain the attention of who they want to reach, um, looking at their different income streams and how they work together to, to you know, make sure that they're maximizing their impact and uh, their income as well. And then I also do a lot of work with like their platform. How are they, what kind of making sure they're creating content that's going to gain the attention and trust of the audience that they want to reach and serve. 
and grow their audience and, and, and lead to the opportunities that they're they're looking for as well. So I do that through consulting. I do that through in, like sometimes I'll have like an eight week intensive workshop where people come for calls each week and we work through a you know, piece of their business. Um, and I have masterminds as well for that, that bring thought leaders together who are you know they're all trying to grow their thought leadership based brand and um, business. So those are uh, some of the offerings that I that I have in terms of a special offer. I mean, I just have you know something free that I would love to invite people to check out. So if you go to my website, jasonvanorden.com, uh, J-A-S-O-N-V-A-N-O-R-D-E-N.com, and then you click on the the newsletter link at the top. I've got what I call my thought leader ship toolkit right there. And I have, I give, there's two frameworks that I'll send you for free, which are two of my best frameworks. I use a lot with clients. One is uh, what I call the online course design canvas. So this gives you the four steps for designing a profitable and impactful online course. And then I also send you my messaging framework, which is all about um, uncovering the most unique parts of your message so that you're creating something that's really resonant and unique that will cut through the noise and just grab the attention of those people that you want to reach uh, the most. So both of those are free to download. You just go to jasonvanorden.com, click on the newsletter uh, page, enter your email, and then I send you those downloads right away. And then you're on my weekly newsletter where I, I share my latest ideas as well. Um, so that's, that's what I have to offer. That's absolutely wonderful. And I say again to the audience, all these links that Jason has mentioned will be in the description of the podcast. So you can go through and you can click through. Um, probably we do links to LinkedIn profile, website, everything. So you know just how you can reach out and connect and work with Jason. And it just leads me to say a massive, massive thank you. I have loved mm-hmm. this interview. I've learned so much seen so many synchronicities i can see us mm-hmm. definitely having more conversations because you yeah. you are an expert in what you do it's brilliant you make it sound so easy which shows your true expertise because you mm. fully understand it and to so many people you can break it down into such a way that they can understand but that's your it's it's the it's your knowledge and how you know how to engage with people. It's just wonderful. And it's been a pleasure to have you as my guest. Mm. Well, thank you for that feedback. I really appreciate it. That's very gratifying to hear. And it's been my pleasure. It's been a great conversation. And I look forward to coming back uh, another time in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the content shared. Please share with others who would like to enjoy these interviews and discussions. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow the link in the episode description. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out and let's discuss next steps. Until the next time, enjoy your listening.